Can we welcome our senior pastor, Muruti Sai, as he comes to preach the word? Good evening, the hub of every nation. It's good to be here tonight and uh, so enjoy being with you. Wasn't that worship amazing? Wow, wow, wow. We believe that he can do it again. And it's so much in line with what we'll be talking about tonight as we reflect on what God has done this year and what he's going to do in 2018. We believe that it's, it's going to be a great year. Amen. We believe and trust that it's going to be a great year. We have faith, we have trust, and we know that our God is faithful. I just want to share a testimony. I guess it's in line with the worship we had tonight. Paul, are we working on this? Uh, it's, it's echoey. Okay, great. Uh, I feel like what we experienced tonight, as Pastor Siv said, it was like a taste of heaven. And we have been talking about revival and praying for revival. And when we have our worship nights and when we have a, a night like this, you, you get a glimpse, a taste of what, what revival is like. You know, yesterday I was at a wedding and I was um, asked by this couple, you must understand this was an African traditional wedding, right? So, so there were like 200 people there. So I was asked by this couple to, to preach the gospel. They said, we want our friends who are there to preach the gospel. They had almost like 20 bridesmaids and groomsmen. I mean, 20. Have you ever had about 20 bridesmaids and groomsmen? I mean, it was like a long line like this. I don't know any of you were, was at that wedding. I know Tando was there. And he did, I mean, the kitchen, the kitchen choir were there. They did an amazing job. They led worship. They were fantastic. They were amazing. But where I'm going with this story is because they asked me to preach the gospel I mean, I shared the gospel, and at the end, I prayed a prayer of commitment, and I said, if you've made a commitment to follow Jesus, do something about it. After this wedding, you'll always remember that you gave your life to Jesus at this wedding, but do something about it. Go and find a church. Go and find a fellowship where you'll be discipled. Guess what? This morning, two guys come up to me after the service. One of them was the best man. They came to church and gave their life to the Lord. <laughs> Now, God is at work. God is on the move. So as we come to the end of this year, I thought let's just reflect on this one name of God, Jehovah, our banner. The Lord is our banner. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is our banner. God is our banner, and that means we win. It means that Jesus Christ has already won the victory. Like this song that we were singing, it says that even though change is still coming, we know that the battle is already won. I like one of the authors, he puts it this way, he says, I've read the book and in the end we win. So the circumstances we are facing now are nothing because we know that in the end we win. You know, when we talk about flags and banners, we know that they represent identity, they represent victory, they represent claiming territory. And tonight, even as I share with you, I want you to walk away remembering that Jesus is our banner. Remembering that the blood of the Lamb is our banner. Remembering that the cross of Jesus is our banner. Remembering that wherever you are, as long as Jesus is your banner, you are safe. Because I don't know if you realize that banners were a place of safety. It was a rallying point when the people were on battle, when the armies were facing battle, they knew that when we go to that banner, we are safe. So wherever you are in Christ, you are safe. 
You may be in the middle of a storm. As long as you are in Christ, you are safe because Jesus is our banner. If that can sink tonight, that Jesus is our banner. He's our place of safety. Scripture says his banner over us is love. His banner over us is his love. And I want to look at the scripture, Psalm 60 verse 4. But you have raised a banner for those who fear you, a rallying point in the face of attack. You know, in Bible times, you know, the different tribes of, of Israel, they had symbols on their banner. And the, the tribe of Judah, the symbol on their banner was a lion, which I believe is the lion of Judah. It was a representation of Jesus who was still to come. But our text for today is this, Exodus 17, verse 8. And I want you to read with me as we reflect what Moses did when he faced a battle. As we reflect what Moses and Joshua and the Israelites did when they faced the battle. And this was the very first battle they would have to fight as they entered the promised land. So you can open in your Bibles or read with me from the screens. This will be our text for tonight. I'm reading from verse 8. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on the one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua came, the Amalekites. Joshua overcame the Amalekites' army with the sword. Verse 14, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered. Make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under the heaven. Moses built an altar called Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. He said, because the hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So friends, from this portion of scripture that we just read, we reflect on the story of the Israelites and they had just traveled from the land of slavery from Egypt to their promised land for 40 years. And the Bible says that God was with them all the 40 years. God loved on them. God protected them. He, he had the pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night because God wanted to make sure that they know that they can trust in him. But I feel like God came to a place where he thought these guys are getting so spoiled that they now realizing that we get everything that we want from God. And God orchestrated this battle. This was the very first battle they had to fight before they get to their promised land. And I want to put it this way to you that what do you do when you face battles? What do you do when you face obstacles that prevent you from getting to your promised land? What do you do when you face battles? As I said earlier on today that 
you know, we may be facing all kinds of storms and battles, but we know that the Lord fights the battles for us. He will fight the battles for us. God orchestrated this battle to test and prove the Israelites whether they will trust Him. I believe that God wanted to actually teach them something through this battle when they were facing the Amalekites. I also believe that for us today, there are certain battles that the Lord orchestrates just for us to train us to trust Him. You know, there are certain battles that we put on ourselves. There are certain things that we do to, where we get ourselves in trouble and we have to fight through that battle. But there are certain battles that God allows for them to happen. I know right now you may be saying, are you saying to me that, that the battle I'm facing with my boss, it may be from the Lord. It may just be from the Lord. There's certain battles that God puts in front of us because He wants us to learn to trust in Him. He wants us to learn to rest in Him. He wants us to go on our knees and trust Him again. I want us to look at three things that Moses did when he faced this battle against the Amalekites. The first thing that Moses did was Moses took the staff. Moses went up the mountain and Moses lifted a banner to the Lord. And these are the three things I want us to walk away with tonight. I want us to answer this question, why did Moses take the staff? You know, Moses could have taken his Nandos up the mountain. There's a reason why I'm saying Nandos. You'll find out just now. Moses could have just taken manna to go up the mountain and chill with the Lord. Moses could have taken, you know, the scrolls. Moses could have taken any other thing to, to, to hang with God up the mountain. But he chose to take the staff. And the reason he took the staff was for two reasons. The staff in those days for shepherds will point direction to where they're going. And the second thing the staff would do is they would actually write and, and mark on the staff great things that God has done, significant events, testimonies, prophecies of things that God has done in the past. And when they look at the staff, it was a reminder that God can do it again. It was a reminder that God can do it again. So the reason he took the staff was to remember the things that God has done in the past. So taking the staff for Moses was the same staff as the staff that reminded him when a tree was on fire, but it was not consumed by the fire. It was not burning. That's when God called him. The same staff was the staff that when he approached Pharaoh, he threw it to the ground. It turned into a snake. The same staff was the staff that he launched the plagues with. The same staff is the staff that he lifted and the Red Sea opened. The same staff is the staff that he struck on the rock and water came gushing down. So my question to you tonight is, what is written on your staff? What are those testimonies that you have kept and the prophetic words that the Lord has spoken over your life that when things are tough, you can go back to them? and pull them and say, I know that God can do it again. What are those testimonies that you are keeping to remind you that God is faithful? Now, remember that these guys did not have flash drives. They did not have iPhone 10 like you have. I just hold it in there. They, because you can keep your notes, your prophecies. You can keep all these testimonies of great things. That, this is what I do. I keep them on my phone so they're near me all the time. I can go there and remember what God says. So we take the staff to remind us of the goodness of God. That's why Moses took the staff. On Wednesday at my connect group, one of the guys was visiting and he, we were reflecting on Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. 
and we were sharing testimonies of how God came through for us. And this guy, Abel, shared this testimony with us that, you know, he had a dream. Working as a gardener, he had a dream that one day he'll become a lawyer. And he shared with us how over the years the Lord has miraculously provided for him. This last November, he wrote his final exams for LLB. This last November, he was completing his final exams to finish off. He shares testimonies of how God came through for him. He was pulling from the archives of his testimonies. And he says, God can do it again. What do you have in the archives of your testimonies? Because the Bible says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. So if you want to raise the banner of victory of the Lord, you better have those testimonies on your sleeves to call them and say, I know that my God will do it again. I know that he'll do it again. So why did Moses go up the mountain? You know, we're saying that Moses took up the staff and it was to remind him of the good things that God has done. But he went to the mountain, I believe, because the top of the mountain was a place of prayer for Moses. The top of the mountain was a place where he would meet with God. I know some of you, you might be having this theology that actually being on top of the mountain, you're closer to God. Wrong. You're not going to the mountain because you're closer to God. You're going to the mountain because of less distraction. You can have just the time with the Lord. So from time to time, I go to the mountain, not because I want to be close to God, but it's a time where I can spend unhurried time to the Lord. Linger longer in that place of prayer. Even this is uh, one of the practices that I do because we believe that in this church, God has called us to be a praying church. You know, we have pre-services prayer that we do. We have prayer every Wednesday, 7.30 in the morning, and in lunchtime on Wednesday, we pray. We pray for you. We pray for the city. We pray for the nation. And we pray for the nations. And this is my practice. I fast and pray every Wednesday. Maybe I should say most Wednesdays. I fast and pray most Wednesdays. Have you noticed it is on the day that you're fasting that someone will offer you lunch or breakfast? Or Greg will bring a phonos hot, you know, those chocolate croissants. We know, you know, Rob, you used to organize those chocolate croissants for us, you see. On the day that I'm fasting, bro, it didn't help. It didn't help, but thank you anyway. I can do banting diet for anything, but not those chocolate croissants. But I also must say, for those who, who fast and pray, that Nando's is not a Daniel fast. That's just for Pastor Sevilla. Nando's, brother, it's not a Daniel fast. In Sevilla's economy, Nando's is a salad. Chicken is a salad. You can defend yourself later when you come up here. The point I'm saying is we need those disciplines to win certain battles. There are certain battles we are losing because we are not praying and we are not fasting. Because of lack of prayer, there are certain battles that we are losing. I'm standing in front of you to remind you that this nation was saved from civil war because Christians went down on their knees and they prayed. Can't we go on our knees again and pray that God can change the affairs of our nation? He can do it again. Moses went up the hill because he knew this. You dare not stand before the world or Satan without the staff in your hand. 
you dare not stand before the world or Satan without God's staff in your hand. I don't know if you noticed as we were reading there, it said God's staff. It was God's staff that was in his hand, reminding him of the covenant he has with God. Joshua's chance at winning the battle was dependent on Moses' praying. You know, there's certain battles that we don't, we will never win without going on our knees and fasting and praying. I don't know what battle you're facing right now, but you may just need to have other people around you praying with you, standing with you, because along the way we do get tired. Moses did get tired, and he had Aaron and Hair. Who are your Aaron and hers that pray with you, that stand with you when you're feeling weak? They can say, let's lift your hands up. We can still do this. We can still win this battle. You know, I've been a Christian for almost three decades now. I cannot remember a time when I was not in a small group. That's what kept me going because I had other people to fight the battles with. I did not fight the battles alone. The reason I'm still married to one wife and not planning to take the second one is because there are brothers who are asking me tough questions. Don't ask. Why did Moses lift up his hands? First, Moses took up the staff because it reminded him of the things that God has done. Secondly, Moses went up the hill because it was, a t- it was a place where he would meet with God. And thirdly, Moses lifted up his hands. I believe Moses was worshiping. You know, the powerful thing about worship, worship reminds us who is in charge. Worship reminds us that we're not in charge, but God is in charge. When he lifted his hands, lifting hands is a sign of surrender. Lifting hands is to say, Lord, we are weak. You are strong. We need your power. So whenever we worship, remember that raising the hands is not just for the sake of raising hands. It's declaration that, God, we are weak, but you are strong. We need your power. I believe that when Moses was saying, Jehovah's Nisi, the Lord is my banner, he was surrendering to God and saying, God, we need you to intervene on this war, and that's why they won the battle. The best thing to do when you are in the middle of a battle is to lift your hands and worship. I don't know if you realize, Moses did not open his mouth. They did not pray. They did not sing. They did not dance. But what did they do? I believe true worship is worship that comes from the heart. Nothing wrong with singing and dancing and playing this amazing instrument that we have here. But if that worship is not from the heart, it's not worship. It must come from the heart. So even though Moses did not open his mouth, God saw his heart. He was worshiping from the heart. And I believe that's where God is drawing us to. He's saying, I don't want you just to worship me with my lips. I want you to worship me with your heart. This is the verse I want to close with. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. I see three things in this verse of Scripture that I believe God is speaking to us. First thing I see here, he says, write this as a memorial in a book. Recite it. You must hear this promise. 
because I will utterly and completely blot out the Amalekites. I believe this was a promise God gave to Joshua and Moses. I was just thinking about it, and I was thinking, why God is saying I will blot them out completely? God was simply saying, I'm giving you this promise to know that when I fight the battles for you, those, those things will not come back again. There are certain things that we face and we believe the lie of the enemy that actually I can never overcome this. This is part of me. This sin, this weakness that I've been struggling with, that I've been wrestling with for so many years, it's just here to stay. It's not going to go. But God has given you a promise. And he say, what you need to do is write down the promise, is recite the promise, hear that promise, and he will completely blot out the Amalekites. For the Instagrammers in the house, it means that Oskaba for chance. Oskaba for chance. Oskaba hemisa. Don't give them a chance. Don't give the enemy a footstool. Don't give them a chance. You will never forget this sermon today. Scabba for chance. Woo. Wow. You can see I'm well discipled. It's from my wife. This is a promise from God. Don't believe the lie. Now I'm seriously closing. Don't believe the lie. If you have been struggling with pornography and you think that it's there to stay, don't believe the lie. Raise up the banner. If you've been struggling with lying, raise up the banner and say, I can't overcome this. If you're struggling with pride, insecurity, whatever it may be, raise up the banner and say, our God can blot out this from my life. It's not here to stay. It's staying with 2017. I'm going to 2018 free. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that those who are here tonight and have dropped the banner, have dropped the stuff, they will pick the stuff again. They will begin to believe again. And they will not believe the lie of the enemy. That God... The sins that have been in our lives are here to stay. We choose to believe that, God, you will raise the banner on our behalf and we will win. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here today who had succumbed to the pressures of this world and not knowing that they can actually live a life of freedom, I pray that they'll be set free tonight in the name of Jesus. We proclaim you to declare freedom in the name of Jesus. We declare freedom and victory in the name of Jesus. That that is not your portion. You are not called to live as a slave. You are called to live a life of freedom in the name of Jesus. We raise up a banner in the name of Jesus. And we say, God, you can do it again. You can do it again. We choose to believe and trust. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.